Welcome listeners. Today we are really blessed. We have with us Dr. Cheryl James. She's an ordained chaplain. She's also a founder of Where There's a Need and she is the executive director of Cheryl James Consulting. Hello, you're listening to the Women of Awe Action, Wisdom and Excellence podcast. I'm your host, Adrienne Dillard. The Women of Awe podcast is a podcast that celebrates the everyday woman who in her everyday activities has exhibited action when needed, wisdom as required, and excellence as a routine to make life better for herself, her family, and or her community. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. Cheryl has a lot going on. I just want to get started with her and let her speak because I don't want to waste all the time. Dr. Cheryl, welcome. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for being here. If someone asked you who you are, what would you say? You know, I would probably say just a public servant, you know, uh, one who is engaged in community, an individual that provides uh, free resources, um, doing ministry for those that need ministry, but I'm just like a go-getter. I've just been one in the community for the last 20 years, just trying to make a difference in the lives of many for many different reasons. One of the things I wanted to point out is that, yes, Cheryl has a lot of letters behind her name, but a, a lot of what she has done happened well before she got all those letters. And that's one of the things that I think is most important for people to recognize you can do things without having a title. You can still make changes in the world without being known as doctor someone. I'm, I'm proud of you for all that you've accomplished over these past many years. But, and by the way, Dr. Cheryl is a relative. She is actually my cousin. I wanted to put that out there in case people found out eventually, oh, that was not right. But yeah, it's perfectly right. She is my cousin and I'm very proud of her. But right now, I'm going to move on to some of the questions that I really have for you. Like, okay. What started you on this path? Have you just always been this go-getter person? I've always been a community person. I've always been a person that was engaged, uh, even in terms of my own children. And I have my husband and I, four of them. But what I first started out doing was over 20 years ago, starting an organization where there's a need. And that was created to fulfill a specific need. And that was to create hair and headwear for women and children that found themselves being bald and without hair from either cancer, alopecia, lupus, or any other medical condition that caused a woman or child to become bald. So initially I started it because I wanted to fulfill that need. And the truth is it started because of my daughter who at that time was in the second grade. Now she has her master's and she's doing social work. But at that time she was in the second grade and her classmate and best friend had a brain aneurysm. Mm -hmm. So here you have a second grader with a brain aneurysm at home wanting to return to school, being afraid to return to school bald. Mm -hmm. And that was our inspiration or my inspiration for my organization where there's a need, we fulfilled the need for this little girl. 
and I created a beautiful scarf with bangs, she was able to go back to school, not have anyone know that she was bald, have a big smile on her face. And that was the beginning of over 20 years of serving women. That's, and that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Where there's a need. Now that still is in operation. At the time, we are actually moving to dissolve. It's been like almost 20 something years. We are in the process of closing down, but I want women everywhere to still know that if they still have this form of need, mm -hmm. I am still open to support because the truth is, Adrian, I have enough supplies left to give women free donations for the next few years. So although we're shutting down, I still make myself available to help when I'm able to. Wow, you still have that much left. So yeah. you can still fill that need. That's mm -hmm. tremendous. What would you consider your biggest challenge that you might've had to overcome to get to where you are? The biggest challenge for me, especially in the beginning, was funding. When you're a small nonprofit charitable organization, it's really difficult trying to find money because a lot of what you do is low cost and primarily free. 90% of what we did was free, offering things and making free donations. So now you're looking for people to give you donations so that you can continue to make donations. And, it, and that's difficult because mm -hmm. there are a lot of, uh, you know, you have the big organizations and they have millions, but you have your small grassroots mm -hmm. local organizations that are doing all of this free work because we, they have the heart, we have the heart for the community, for the people, for the disadvantaged, for the people financially strapped that really don't have it. Right. And it's hard to find organizations and individuals to donate money to you and you know and it's disheartening yes of course I, I can't even imagine but you're right I guess because the well-known charities are in everyone's faces you know that's, that's right. what we see that's what we know mm -hmm. and then what, what do we do about the smaller ones how did you get funding how did you get donations well you know we I was able to secure some local community or not community, but council member funding okay. from our local, um, from our state senators, so state funding, right. and then uh, some funding from our local council members coming from the city, you know, but it's still small funding, sure. but something right. is better than nothing. And, you know, but you have to really fight for that because you have to make yourself known to these local officials before they will put you in their budget to receive discretionary funding. They don't give discretionary funding without seeing that you're already doing something. In other words, you can't come to them and say, this is my plan. I started this and this is what I'm going to do. No, they need to see that you've already done it. They need to see that you've already given. They need to see that you've already supported hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people before they're going to turn around and give you money. So it's, it's always a struggle. People who do this type of activity they're used to being discouraged. So they just keep it moving. You know, you just do whatever you need to do to get the funding. What about publicity? You have to get your face out there so that people would know about your organization. That is true. And um, a lot of local newspapers, 
they would they would hear and sometimes you have to promote yourself yeah so i would have to send information or i would send information to a lot of local free newspapers mm-hmm. sort of speak in all of the boroughs hey this is what we're doing hey look at what we're doing okay. and so then they would come and they would do articles for you i was also on it was a cable channel a new york new york one news and they had specials where you know people of the week people of the month and so forth they heard about it you know they would come and interview me and put stuff out there so that's a small way of getting started to get yourself known once you become known with council people and elected officials and such then they also help to spread the word you know to other individuals and when there's an event and they give you proclamations and they give you honorable mentions. And, and you know, when you're honored in that way in which I was several times, that's another way of getting the word out there because now they see what you're doing within the districts that they support and right. that they fund. And, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. sort of a, it's a lot. <laughs> so that's grassroots. You've got to start from the bottom and work your way up and that's right. make all the connections you can. Mm-hmm. I always like to say for networking, it's you have to see the possibilities. Anytime you're with someone is an opportunity to share what you do so that one more person now knows this is what I'm doing. And eventually that will connect to someone who can help you. We don't always realize that when we're talking to people where that connection is going to come from. So we share it every chance that we get. If you had a couple of minutes to talk about anything you wanted to talk about, what would, because I know you're involved in so much, I can't even possibly capture that in a half an hour, but where would you like to focus right now? What would you like to talk about? What I remember or something that really, really, really sticks in my head is not just for me uh, being a chaplain and being in the hospitals praying for people and just having conversations with people, but I, I just enjoy service. So I enjoy for myself that form of service. I enjoy uh, doing uh, weddings, being a wedding, wedding officiant, which I am. I enjoy those services. I've even done some funerals. I enjoy those services. I enjoy being a part of a heart disease prevention program, which is with uh, New York Presbyterian Ronald O. Perlman Heart Institute about nine years now, they trained me to teach heart disease prevention in the community at large because uh, heart disease kills more women than any other condition. Cancer Mm -hmm. used to be number one, heart disease is number two. Now heart disease is number one, cancer is number two. And when we talk about heart disease, of all of the women that it kills, black women, it kills 10 times more or at a faster rate than any other nationality or culture of women. And so all women in general, they are just things that we have to look at to to help us with this whole heart disease thing. And so I really enjoy teaching this because I consider it to be life-saving, but life-changing. And lastly, I'll say that when it comes to all of these pre-existing medical conditions that many of us have, it's about managing them. 
And it's about a good quality of life, not necessarily just long life, which mm -hmm. many people say, oh, I would love to have the opportunity to get to live to be 95 or 98 like my grandma. But the question for us today, us seniors, and I'm in my 60s, the question is, do you want a good quality of life? Living to be 90 and having someone wake you up and feed you and wash you is not a good quality of life. We want to have a good quality of life. We're living longer. We want to enjoy our AARPs and we want to enjoy our retirements and all of those things. And we can't if we don't have a good quality of life. So that's, that's it for me, making sure that we understand how to do that. Heart disease, number one for women now. What would you recommend for people who are, I mean, first of all, there are so many of us now, the baby boomers who are older, who are getting to the point where they're seeing their bodies decline. What kind of suggestions would you give them? Like maybe three simple things they can do to improve their life. If you are one that has pre-existing conditions such as high blood pressure, and so many of us do, and that's for men and for women, okay. you know, I think we know that salt is the enemy. I think we understand or should that we have to pay attention to the sodium that we're intaking. Under a normal circumstance, scientifically and medically, they don't want anyone to consume more than 1500 milligrams of salt within a 24 hour period. But most of us consume between 3000 and 4000 milligrams of salt. So if we're consuming that much sodium in a day, after 10 years, how could you not have high blood pressure? Right. So we have to start reading labels, we have to start looking for substitutes, we have to start um, doing things differently in terms of how we season our foods and, and specifically reading labels, because just as an example, can of a can of soup uh, could have 900 or 1000 mm -hmm. milligrams of sodium in a very small can of soup. And we haven't eaten the bacon and the sausage and the chips and all of the other things that we eat and sprinkle the adobo in a day. So that's how we get to intake 3000 in a day versus 1500. So it's managing that if you have that. If you're a diabetic, you know you have to do something or you should know about your, um, your glucose, about your sugar intake. You can't continue to eat the, the, the breads and the pastas and all of the rice that you're used to and that you want to continue to eat because that's just the way you've always done it and to eat the sweet potato pies and the coconut cake and all of that stuff. I mean, you know, at some point you have to decide, do you want your limbs? Do you want your organs? Do you want everything to shut down on you? If you continue doing what you're doing, everything is going to shut down on you. And then there, and then we have what? We have the amputations going on uh, for diabetics and we have the blindness because it affects the eyes. At the end of the day, we have to make a decision for ourselves what kind of quality of life we want. And so whatever our medical condition is, we have to manage it. We have to manage the obesity. We have to do some exercise and it doesn't have to mean go to a gym. It could right. be walk up and down your block or get on an exercise bike. Yeah. You know, we have to quit smoking. We have to cut back on the alcohol. We have to pay attention to the, the, to the high cholesterol. And mainly we have to pay attention to our nutrition because half of what we're eating is garbage. And we're not eating the same foods that great grandma and grandma ate. They're manipulating our foods now. They're, they're 
the GMOs, they're playing with our vegetables. If you see collard greens in the store and they're beautiful and cream, clean with no marks, I guarantee you they're probably GMO. Instead of looking for the pretty stuff, we should be looking for the ones with the little holes in them because if the caterpillars will eat them, then we know that they're good. And if the caterpillars are not touching them, then that's telling you something. That's they're right. smart enough to know what not to mess with. And, you know, so we have to rethink how we think. I'm so glad that you said that about the vegetables because everybody wants the beautiful stuff. Nobody wants the things that look natural anymore right. because natural is not appealing. Mm -hmm. But that's the healthiest food. Go for the healthier foods. Yeah, I like that caterpillar. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. The caterpillar is not going for it. You shouldn't either. That's right. <laughs> think about along the way, a couple of people maybe that influence you or even just one person that had a big influence on your life. Well, you know, I would say that my support system, um, you know, started with my husband of 40 something years, sort of being there for me in the beginning when I had the idea when I wanted to get started and, um, and always supporting me in anything that I wanted to do. And then board members are essential. And when you're selecting board members, when you have a small organization or you're thinking about putting one together, you have to have a support system. So board members should always include maybe one or two family members and one or two really good friends. And then outside of that, it could be, it doesn't have to be, you know, totally close, people close to you, but you really need to have close individuals, even on your board, because that's kind of your backbone and they understand your mission and your goals. And they're in agreement with your mission and your goals. And they're supporting your mission, your goals, your organizations, and they're right. always looking for ways to help make you better. So surrounding yourself with a really good support system, um, including immediate family members is, right. is key. I know a few people who have wanted to start charities and I think the biggest roadblock for them was the board members. Who am I going to get to be on my board? It helps to have people who are supportive to you, like your family and friends, because it can be tough. Share a story that captures what being a woman of action, wisdom, and excellence means to you. Now, this, I really, um, this is a question that I would love to answer because okay. It's really vital. So what I will say is um, sort of in the middle of me starting the cancer organization, I made a lot of donations, free donations of hair to just about all hospitals in all boroughs. And one day I happened to be in a Brooklyn cancer center um, giving out free scarves with, with hair. And I came across two sisters that were there being treated and they both were saying, oh, can I please have a free donation? Because they couldn't afford to buy a wig. But what was vital was they both said to me, we were EMS workers during 9-11. And we were actually down there, you know, trying to help save lives. And here we are 15 years later um, with cancer and fighting for our lives. So, you know, for me, that was extremely uh, touching. And another quickie story with the organization is there was a woman that had approached me once 
And she said to me, she couldn't wear wigs because her scalp was really irritated. So she didn't wear anything. And her very small children would always say, why does mommy look like daddy? Mm-hmm. And so when I created, when I made a couple of the scarves for her, she was able to put them on her head. They didn't irritate her. It was 100% cotton. She had the biggest smile on her face. And her children said, now mommy no longer looks like daddy. So that did something for her. And her husband even called me privately to let me know what a blessing that was for his wife. Mm-hmm. Stories like that help me to understand it is excellence. It is, you know, it's wisdom. It is getting out there and, and doing for people. It does mean a lot for me, like a couple of little girls, eight and nine and seven, we, I created ponytails for them and bangs for them and curls for them. And they were able to ride their bikes and bikes and play on the block and not have anyone look at them side-eyed or make fun or joke and things of that nature. And then lastly, I'll say what touched me the most as well is when you're doing this for women and you have women of other faiths and, and nationalities and cultures, but more importantly, other faiths and cultures, women that normally are not allowed to touch you know, you can't hug everyone because you might have a Hasidic woman or you might have a, um, a, an Asian woman or women that normally are not taking your hand or hugging you because their culture doesn't allow them to do that. But when they see your heart for them and when you see when they see your sincerity for them and all of that goes out the window and they grab you and say, can I get a hug too, where initially you didn't do it because you didn't want to offend and you realize they want it still, you know, in addition to that, they want you to hug them. They, they're saying, thank you. And they'll take whatever prayer you want to offer to them, even if it's different from their faith at that point of their life, they're open to anything. So those moments really kind of put a tear in your eye and help you to understand the importance of what you do. Yes. Oh my, those are beautiful stories. Beautiful, beautiful stories. Oh my, you know, I don't even think about things like that. People of other faiths and cultures, once they realize we're all the same and you're doing something beautiful for them, they Mm -hmm. have to thank you some way and that's how they thank you. Wow, I don't even want to say anything after that. Well, you can't, can you imagine being there? You don't, you don't want to know the amount of times that I had to hold back tears. But, but as I was leaving, like, you know, walking down the block to, you know, going back home, you know, you let them flow then because it's okay. You know, so, I mean, I'm all, I was always crying at some point, (laughs) but but you have to be strong in front of them. They're at the place where they're fighting for Mm -hmm. their lives. Mm -hmm. So that's not the time when you can even show any weakness, but when they go, that's when, you know, you just kind of wipe your eyes and say, God, thank you for giving me the strength Mm -hmm. to be able to do this. See, and that's, that's it. And it takes a lot of strength. So every day you're coming home, having this all on you, wanting to help people, but it, right. it drains, you know, it drains you. It takes a lot out of you. What did you do to replenish? The only thing for me is consistent prayer. I mean, I, I will not deny 
that God has been with me from the beginning. It was God who gave me the idea to even create what I created for that child. I don't take any credit. I know that it was him who placed that within my, my heart and my spirit. And so at the end of the day, when energy has been zapped from you, you have to go back to the source. Mm -hmm. You have to go back to the one that offers and provides um, refreshment and regeneration. And that's going back to the source. God was the source for me. So I always looked to him and asked him and expected him to continue to strengthen me and give me peace because I understood that what he gave me, I was in turn going to hand it over to someone else. And so when I was finished at the end of my day, at the end of my shift or whatever, I looked to him to refill me. So I would be ready for the next shift. And, and, and there's no other way for me. And there was no other way for me to do it other than rely on him. Definitely. We have to be able to go to the source. I'm going to probably get ready to let you go. But before I do, I just want to say thank you so much. I wish I had more time to talk to you. I love you dearly. And I'm so proud of all the work you have accomplished. You are just doing so many things. It's hard to keep track, but you've got it. You're doing a lot and it's all for the community. And like you said, it's, it's a gift and you're sharing that gift with other people. We are so grateful that you are willing to do that for us. But before I let you go, can you tell me how people can connect with you or get more information from you about some of the things that you're doing? Yes, um, I do have a reach number. If anyone wants to reach out and leave me a voicemail message, I would always get back to them. And that is 718-529-3638. That is the uh, reach number. And my email, if someone wants to email me, that's fine as well. And that's charity123 at Yahoo, but it's spelled charity, C-H-A-R-I-T as in Tom, E-E, one, two, three at yahoo.com. That is the email for me. If someone has a question, feel free and I will respond. Okay. Awesome. What about Facebook or Instagram or something? Are you I, I, am, I am on Facebook. If anyone wants to just, you know, Facebook, I'm under Cheryl James Minister. It's okay. listed that way. So if you uh, type that in, you'll see it. Send me a friend request and I will respond that way as well. I'm also on LinkedIn. If, uh, if anyone out there is on LinkedIn, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. I always provide information on what I do, what I'm going to do, flyers and so forth. If there's something that I'm going to do coming up, I'll try and put it out there so that individuals will see in advance. And on Facebook as well, um, I have a separate page on my main page and it says Cheryl James Consulting. Okay. And through that page, I'm always sharing health tips, health information, things to do to stay healthy, connect, definitely connect to that page because right. that way you're getting all of the free information every other day. I'm putting something wow. else off and you can just scroll the page and make notes for yourself. I'm always telling you how to stay healthy on Cheryl James Consulting. So from my main Facebook page, you can get to that individual page. Okay. And I'm going to put all of this on my podcast page. So they'll have all that information if they didn't catch it when you said it. But thank you again, Cheryl. It has been a pleasure. Please pass my blessings and hellos on to the family. And hopefully I'll be talking to you again soon. I certainly will. It was a pleasure. 
God bless you and the family. Everyone stay safe and stay well. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you for joining me on the Women of Awe Action, Wisdom, and Excellence podcast. If you are a woman of action or know of one who you think would be a good fit for the podcast, please contact me via email, womenofawe at adriandillard.com, womenofawe at adrian, A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E, Dillard, D-I-L-L-A-R-D, dot com. Or you can post to our Facebook page. Always remember to be the best you that you can be. That is the best path to excellence. I hope you can join us next week. Please don't forget to support us by leaving a review.